All right, at this time, I'm going to invite uh, Danny uh, forward. Danny, are you in here? There you are. Um, I'm really excited uh, about this morning. I've been really excited about this morning. Danny uh, will be sharing the message with us uh, this morning. And I believe this is Danny's first sermon. Um, uh, he teaches at, at the school from time to time, chapel services and that kind of thing. But I, from the moment I met Danny, it was just clear that the Lord uh, is doing something special in his life and just has a special love for people and love for God's word. And so i um, just really excited for him to share God's word with us this morning. Let's uh, together pray for Danny as well as for ourselves to receive the word this morning. So would you extend a hand and blessing? Uh, towards Danny, and also open uh, up your spirits to receive God's word. Father, in your word, it says that Jesus came and he scattered his gifts among the saints. And the word for that means, it, it literally means that he took the gifts and he threw them, like, you, like a farmer would throw seeds in a field, like if you can picture that. Jesus came and he scattered his gifts. And each of us have received uh, different gifts. And we were just immensely blessed by the gifts that you, the priestly worship uh, leading gifts that you have blessed uh, Jared and staff with, God. We, we were blessed, this body has been blessed immensely by the gifts that you gave Bob and Rosella Latchall and those who have gone before us. We've been blessed this morning by the gifts of those who are uh, leading our children's ministry and who taught Sunday school in all the various ways. And uh, this morning, God, um, we thank you for our brother Danny. And we thank you for the ways that you have uniquely gifted him. We bless him, God, as he brings the word. We pray that you and you alone would be seen. I know that he does not want to come up here and be seen. Um, he wants to stand up here, and he wants to point to you. And he desires for the body of Christ at Parker Ford to see Jesus Christ lifted up. So, God, in our hearts, we invite your spirit to stir within us. We pray that the seeds that would be planted from your word today... Uh, would grow deeply and put down roots, and that we, your people, God, would see you and learn and know you and love you more deeply because of it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Danny, thank you, brother. We love you. Thank you, Brother DJ. Appreciate you. If you have your Bible, would you open up to Psalm, the second chapter? This is going to be our base camp today, Psalm 2. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me... I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, 
for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Pray with me. Blessed are us, Lord, who take refuge in you. You promise that refuge in and through your son Christ. And I pray all the hearts that know that this morning would be there with me in that place of refuge and seeking more of who you want to reveal yourself to be to them today, Father. I pray that you would bless us with your presence here now. I pray that you would open up hearts, eyes, ears to see, to hear, and to receive everything that you want to speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity and the calling to come up here and speak today. Some of you may not feel the same, but thanks for bearing with me. I'm also thankful to the congregation that has um, blessed Kelly and I since we've been here with a loving welcome over the past four years. Uh, It's been truly transformative in our lives in a way that we've seen this body that has been established as a congregation for 175 years uh, not quench the spirit. You have been, you have shown uh, me personally uh, what mature Christianity looks like, and I'm talking to the older generations that have uh, been here for for many years. I've had this picture in my head that uh, you know older people are just set in their ways and they don't like change and um, and so I haven't had a really good view of what a mature Christian looks like, so to say. But uh, it's been transformative to see the humble spirit of. Um, those that have gone before us and that are still here leading us in such a way uh, to, to allow that change and growth to happen and to not quench the spirit and to see uh, a loving body, uh, what that looks like. And, and you guys have been that for us, so we're thankful that, that you are here leading in that way. So the text of Psalm 2 it runs deep through the scriptures, and there's so much rich. There's so much richness in all of um, what this points to. And um, I'm hoping to go through that today. It might be a little bit scattered. I, I tried to pinpoint the, uh, the topics that we're going to hit uh, and focus in on uh, because uh, I've been uh, advised in, in many ways to, to picture this as a, as a a barrel that's filled up. Uh, all this information I've been taking and all the studying that I've been doing leading up to this uh, has been uh, building me up, ultimately. So if you get anything out of it, it's, it's a bonus. But uh, I'm just <laughs> filled by what God has been doing in and through this scripture and this text and, and, uh, and, and that barrel that's full of all this information and knowledge. I just want to spit it all out all over you. But... Um, I'm, I'm trying to hone in on a few things that, um, that we can focus our minds around. And uh, so the uh, title of Lion, Lamb, King doesn't speak of a lion. It doesn't speak of a lamb in Psalm 2. But God gave me that vision last week. DJ came up to me after uh, he was preaching on Psalm 22 last week. And I was uh, in the room studying. He looked at me. He just kind of nodded. Okay? And 
I was like, lion, lamb, king. That's all I said. I was, that was it. Lion and lamb. That was what the vision uh, God gave me reading through this. And even though it doesn't say it, um, he revealed more of who he is in that. Even though I know that he calls himself lion and lamb, there was more of a revealing of who he is in that. What does that actually mean? And uh, it's been a beautiful journey to study this and to, to grow. So, um, so that was Sunday. And then Monday morning, I am at Coventry Christian Schools where uh, I greet as I normally do. And the last two students to come in is uh, this little guy, Liam. And I'm over here greeting him from this side. And he comes in, and he's holding up this little stuffed lion. And uh, I've seen this lion from Liam before. He has brought this in. That's, that wasn't a new thing. But here he is coming in with his lion. And then... Gavin comes from my blind side here, and he starts running over. Liam, 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 Liam. He's excited to see his buddy, and he's holding up. He's holding this up right here. Is this uh, not working? Maybe not. You probably know what's coming. But, uh, oh, thanks. There it is. Monday morning. Here I am getting that confirmation. It was like a wink from God to say, yeah, you're hearing from me here. And uh, I'd never seen Gavin carrying that lamb before. I mean, what little boy wants to carry a lamb, really? Like, the lion is what you want to carry as a, as a boy. So uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to get that confirmation on, on Monday to, to speak on this. So, so bear with me. Um, get comfortable. I, I was actually... Um, Blessed to have such a, 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 I have six hours to speak to you, so <laughs> you guys got to get comfortable. We're going to have a lunch break, I think, um, at the Coventry Cafe. There's a little plug for my family's restaurant across the street. Um, yeah, so we'll meet there, and then we'll come back and reconvene for the second half of this. But um, it, this scripture runs deep in Psalm 2, and uh, it's, it's quoted directly in the New Testament in all these scriptures, in Acts, in Hebrews, in Revelation, and it's quoted indirectly in, in Romans and, uh, and other uh, parts of the New Testament. And so you have to pay attention to it. It's, it's significant. You can't just breeze by this psalm and, and sing it through without realizing that there is uh, great significance to what it is. And um, mainly uh, what I'm pointing to is this uh, verse in particular as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So there's a declaration from God that he has set his king. And what does that king look like? Well, we're going to go through that and, and more. These are the three points that I came up with to speak on today. And uh, the first focus is how significant this psalm is. This psalm is significant in the days of David in the first century, today, and eternally. Point number two, all opposition to the rule and ruler of God is futile. And three, Jesus is the lion, the lamb, the king. So in this first part that I hope to establish, uh, as far as why this is significant in the days of David. Why, why is Psalm 2 significant in the days of David? I'm going to take it back to um, 
2 Samuel chapter 7, where this is uh, where Nathan the prophet is coming to David and letting him know. Actually, he first told him that do whatever your heart pleases you to do. And David wanted to build a house for the Lord. He's seen that he was in this king's palace and the Lord is traveling around in a tent. And so David wanted to build a house for God. But God uh, then spoke to the prophet Nathan that night and Nathan, prophet Nathan came back to David and said, no, you're not going to build this house. I'm going to build you a house. And that is part of this declaration. Second Samuel 7, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So that's around 1044 B.C. that these words were spoken to David. And now David, with this knowledge in mind, he knows that he is going to die before he's going to see this kingdom established. He says in Psalm 2, As for me, this is God's declaration now. This was, this was prior was through the prophet Nathan from God. This is now God directly to and through David, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So, the kingship is established. God set it in place. David knew it. He knew it was coming. He knew he wasn't going to be able to see it. I'm going to jump up to why this is significant to the first century church. Why was this significant that God was king, that he was going to establish his kingdom? And what did that look like? In Acts 1, we have, just read it. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So David didn't have a, a very clear picture of what was going to happen when this kingdom was going to reign in. And this is the ascension of Jesus. This is after the ascension of Jesus. He died on the cross and he ascended after and he revealed himself. And his disciples, his closest followers that walked with him, here they are. See, knowing the scriptures, they know the scriptures full well. They know what they told David. They know the, the prophets spoke to him and, and declared this kingdom to come. And here's David, or here's his disciples, now knowing the scriptures, seeing it happen, and now being in this place of, is, is now when you're going to bring this kingdom in? Because all we see is this Roman rule and authority and oppression like, surely you're not going to let this happen to your people. Here we are following you. Here we are devoted to you. And they're ruling over us. Take your kingdom up now in the way that we want you to take it up. 
right here in front of us. I think we do the very same thing. So Acts 4, uh, this is when uh, Peter and John come back from being uh, before the council. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the good news now. And they have a better, they have a better uh, vision of what this kingdom is. They know that they've now received power to preach the gospel. So they're going out and preaching the gospel, and now the council takes them and says, no, you're not going to speak in his name. You're not going to bring up Jesus. But they couldn't do anything to Peter and, and uh, John at the time because they were afraid of the people, because the people were actually listening to what they were saying. They were realizing what was going on. They were believing that Jesus was king. So the council was afraid to do anything to them. So they just harshly reprimanded, like a, like a slap on the wrist. Go away. Don't talk about him anymore. And, and I love Peter. I don't have this in this text, but I love Peter's boldness. He already comes with boldness. He says, I can't help but preach this good news. Do me whatever you want, but I can't help but preach it. So I relate and I resonate with Peter. I love his boldness. And, uh, and here he is. He was praying for boldness at this time. And, um, and he recognizes the opposition that he was just in front of in this, in this council. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. This was the opposition. When you, when you read Psalm 2 and you see the nations raging, it's ref, you think it's referring to all of those out there, but the, these are God's own people of, of Israel that are raging. Not just Herod and Pontius Pilate and President Trump whoever else, uh, leader, leaders, cult, whatever leaders of whatever nations raging against God. I'm going to jump ahead to uh, Acts 13. We're getting a lot of scripture today, by the way, so this is why I said prepare yourself. I hope you have your Bible and I hope you got comfortable because there's, there's a lot of scripture. And I'm trying to just establish the significance of, of God as king of Jesus, his anointed one, coming and taking that role. So, in Acts 13, this is Paul speaking now, and Paul just ties everything together for us here very eloquently. It is the history, it is to the present day, he brings everything, he, he puts the foresight there as to what Jesus came for, what this kingdom was going to look like. And so in Acts 13, Paul's now speaking, uh, or he's about to speak. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand, he said, 
Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then he asked for a king, and God, then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me is coming the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, like they should know, it's being read to them every Sabbath. They should have seen him coming, this kingdom coming through Jesus. They should have seen it. It was read to them over and over, every Sabbath. Fulfilled Fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him up from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us in their children by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised them from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So this is the summary here. This is bringing it to life to us today. This is Paul preaching the good news of salvation. So, as Paul referenced it there, this shows the significance of this psalm. It carried over into the first century apostles, the first century Jews, and and it's current for us today, and why is it significant for us today? Why is it significant for you sitting in this seat, or whatever you're coming in with, whatever you're bringing, why is it significant for you today? So, just to reiterate some more of uh, this kingship, Jesus himself had something to say about it. And in John uh, 18, he says, you Say that I am a king. This is when Jesus is before Pontius Pilate. This is just about before he's going to be killed. And, uh, and he's questioned. And Jesus, his response to Pontius Pilate when he says, so you're a king. He says, 
You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And again, with more authority, Jesus again says this in Matthew 28. And Jesus came to them and said, now this is after his ascension. He comes back from the dead. And he appears to his disciples and says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So there is very much a significance. God himself sent Jesus, who then proclaimed it by his mouth. This is who I am. This, I am the king to come. And then he's, he's sent us out as disciples. He, he's given us this power. As his children, as you are sitting in your seat now, you have this power knowing who Jesus is, surrendering to Jesus. So this is, this is the summary. This is set in the background. This is uh, giving you the history and bringing you up to speed as to why we're here now. And then, and then what is Jesus telling us today? What is, what is he doing with all this information here today now? And he had a lot of other things to say. And I know we can't bear it all because I'm going to be putting you to sleep if I keep going through it. But I have so much I just want to just, just lay out. I just want to lay out there. But some of these sure promises that, that he gave us to, to know on, to, to meditate on today. John 10.10, 10, this is just after he said, um, this is one of his I am statements. Uh, his, I am the good shepherd. And he, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants you to have life abundantly. What else does he want for us? Well, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It might be tough for you to believe that depending on what you're going through in life. You might not see that joy right now if you, say, just lost your job or lost a loved one. You might not see that joy but he's promised it. He's going to fulfill it. He continues to fulfill it every day. So I'm going to wrap up that first point point. get on to the second one. I know it was a long, long-winded, but I promise you, stick with me. Point number two is going to go quick. Point number three is going to be quick, and soon enough we'll be having lunch, and we'll be back for our second round. So... Uh, back in 2003, I was in Ireland, and we were uh, driving through Northern Ireland, and we had all these things scheduled out that we were going to hit up and do, but the best times were those uh, unplanned times, unscripted times, and here we are driving through Northern Ireland with my mom and my uncle. It was such a, a funny trio. We all had different things that we wanted to do and see, and it was, it was <laughs> some of my families here knows the family well, and they know that that's going to be a funny trio. So... We're running through Northern Ireland, and here's this little tiny sign that says Castle Ruins this way, you know. So let's do it. We, we head down this trail, and, and we pull up and park, and it's beautiful. Ireland is gorgeous, and there's these green pastures. Up to the left, there's this 
green pasture, and you can see a fence up there uh, on, this, on this green hill, and, uh, and then it comes down into a, a little bit of a valley, and then it goes up again, and there's this peninsula that is uh, on the edge of a cliff. It's 100 feet at least dropped down into the, the water around it. So, uh, so we pull up, and there's nobody there. We went to all these sites, and there's tons of people, and it was beautiful, but people kind of took away from it. Sorry to say, I love people, but when we got there, there was, like, there was one family there. There was one other family in this place, and it just made it so beautiful, peaceful, serene. So we, we, uh, we walk up to these castle ruins. We can see the castle ruins from the distance, and we can see that it's on this peninsula. It's, it's pretty awesome the way it was set up. But uh, we start walking up, and there's this family. I'm not sure where they're from. They're speaking a different language, but there was two young kids, about eight and ten years old, and and then they're, they're walking up to the castle, and there's a lamb. It, it, it must have been the lost sheep, the one lost sheep that got away, because there it is. I've seen the pasture, and here's this one lost lamb, and he is very regal in his posture. He's sitting and just guarding this castle, this, this lamb. And these kids, they run right up to it. They're, they're not afraid at all. They what is this lamb going to do? It's, so these little kids, 8 and 10 years old, they go running up to it, and it stands up now. And now it's like eyeballing them. It's got, it's got them in, in, its, in its view, and, and, and he starts charging them. And he starts charging after these kids, and they just turn around, and they're laughing the whole time. And here's this little lamb just, boom, button its head on the backside of this little boy. And this backside of this little boy, he just keeps going like this. He couldn't stop laughing the entire time. His sister's laughing at him, watching him getting butted, but he's just sitting here and he just keeps going with it. Anyway, that, that to be said, these little kids were not afraid of a lamb. Okay? That's, think of that as, as, we, as we go through this. So all opposition to the rule and ruler of God is futile. This is um, the first part of, of Psalm 2, what we already read, what we went through. I'm going to read through it again. But this gives you, this gives you a picture of uh, what that rule looks like in this state. They're, they're very proud. Okay? They're, they're, they are the rulers of the earth. They are very arrogant in, in, in stepping forward to God and challenging him. So that's in Psalm 2. I'm going to bring us right to the end. I, I want to keep the end in mind here. So I'm bringing you to Revelation to see what their state is at this point. But uh, in Psalm 2, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in, heaven, in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion my holy hill. So this is his wrath, by the way. He's, his, God's wrath is setting his king. These proud men, they don't get what they deserve in my eyes. If I were a king and they come proudly like this, I'm going to wipe them out. They're done. But he sets his king. And he says, look to my king. You who are proud, you who are arrogant, look to my king. We all struggle with that, I'm sure, pride at times. We all can be that opposition to God sometimes in our attitude and our demeanor. So let's head down to see where these kings are now. 
in, uh, in the Revelation of John, chapter 6. Look at the, the similarity here. This jumped out to me as I'm studying. It just, I seen their, their position of arrogance, and then I seen this, and I just couldn't stop laughing, thinking of that Ireland story, thinking of that lamb that I seen that these little kids couldn't stop laughing at. Well, here, here are these proud kings. The kings, then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in caves and among the rocks and the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the, day is, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? The wrath of the Lamb has come. These kings, these proud kings, see a, a wrathful Lamb coming down on them. (laughs) They couldn't see God for who He really was. They couldn't see Him as their own conquering lion. They couldn't see the Lamb that was slain, that put Himself up there for those very people. This is why we're here. This is the gospel message. This is what we're here for today, this morning, congregating for. So uh, how does this play out in our own lives? And uh, a personal story for, for Kelly and I, we've been struggling through infertility for three and a half years. And uh, it's easier to say now. We've, we've talked about it openly to people. Um, it wasn't as easy to say uh, as we were going through it. Uh, initially, but in and through this, uh, this struggle and this suffering, um, all kind of things come in and through our heart in, in ways of anger toward God and confusion. <laughs> we're, we're good people, right? We go to church and we do the right thing, and uh, and yet. This, this very thing is a good desire that we have. Why aren't you fulfilling this, God? So, <laughs> all those places that we were, anger, confusion, jealousy, hopelessness, all those feelings that we've had to go through in this process, ultimately, made me realize that I have God pictured in the way that I want him to be pictured as the conquering king, as the first century apostles that come in and take over this king. This is madness. This is insane. Take over now. Lord, take over in this infertility. You can conquer this. Why aren't you conquering this? This is a good thing. We want to raise up children that are after your heart. We want to raise children for your good and your glory. Why aren't you doing it? What's your struggle this morning? Is there a financial struggle? Is there, are there health issues? Marital or family dysfunction, broken relationships? Loneliness, depression, self-hatred? What are you coming with this morning? Are you coming with pride? Are you pr- coming with complacency? 
loss. I pray that you would say, Lord, don't hold me in this derision. Don't hold me in this place of anger, of confusion as to why these things are happening. Why am I suffering? You have to know the full authority of Jesus to understand it. He might not look like you think he should look. But he is good. And he has given us these promises to give us a full life, an abundant life, the fullness of joy. How how do I find fullness of joy when I can't even have my own son to look at? He's given us Jonathan, and and you guys have seen him with his helmet on, and uh, and there's a a place in our heart for him in such a way that I I would have never known if God hadn't brought us to that at this very time because we could have you know, continued to push on and pay for any kind of treatments and spend tens of thousands of dollars to, to go through that. And um, before we ever met, we knew that this was on our heart to, to adopt children that didn't have a good home. And so we said, well, why not do this now? This is, this is what God has called us into. So he's revealed to us in this. And, and maybe that is uh, where you're at. To, to be able to surrender to him to say yes to whatever it is that he's calling you into. So, have we given him full authority over our life? The, I'm going to wrap up uh, point two. Point two is, is, um, is recognizing the opposition. Well, recognize ourself. Okay, don't look at everybody else. Recognize ourself for a minute. And what opposition am I showing towards God in this? I think that's a good place to start is to check where we are. Uh, and, and it's so easy to look around and say this, that, and the other thing about everybody else. But um, really uh, dig in to, to find out, does Jesus have authority over my life? And does he sit on his throne the way that he needs to sit, not the way that I need him to sit for me. So this authority uh, that is now established in Jesus, he also says, in his kingdom, not a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing it. And you are of more value than many sparrows. So whatever it is you are going through, he knows And he's there with you. He's going through it with you. He puts his arm around you and he cries with you. Jesus, the lion, the lamb, the king, this vision has been powerful to me. And I've seen seen God in in such a, a greater way to know that he is king. He is also a lamb. This, this, Land that the kids were not afraid of. He, he, he gives us this image of lamb for some reason. Well, he also gives us this image of a lion, this majestic and powerful lion, and that's what we want to have all the time. We just want this powerful lion to come in and take over because that's what they do. That's what God does. And, and yet he came to this earth in this way. In Revelation 5, it says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. When Jesus came to this earth, where was his throne as king? It it doesn't look like what we expect it to be. We think of a king and his throne. It's majestic and it's royal and it's something greater than we can touch and get near, but this is what he calls us to. His throne on this earth. Let's go back to to what it says. He says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I know that we've recognized Zion as the, the heavenly Jerusalem, but look at the earthly Jerusalem. His throne was on the cross. He came as a king to be a servant. That's his throne here on this earth. And that's what we see. That's what they see in a slain lamb. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, we're going to sing. But I wanted you to think about this thought. What are we expecting God to look like in our life? The, in our, is he a lion? Is he a lamb? Is he king? Is he all authority over everything in our life? Have we surrendered everything to him in our life? What part of our life, what part of your life, have we not given full authority to Jesus, whichever way he wants to reign in our life? Seek first his kingdom and righteousness added joy, added life, added peace, all these things will be added to you. He's promised that. But for us, it's difficult for ourselves to surrender, to be as vulnerable as a lamb. It's tough for us to do that because we have the control of our lives as a lion. And this is how we control our life. And I feel that we do ourselves such an injustice in that we're pleased, we're far too easily pleased, I think as C.S. Lewis said, (laughs) with half joy. This is safe. This is comfortable. I know this. I'll stay right here in this place of safe joy. But God has the fullness of joy for us in the authority of Christ over our life, in everything, everything. This quote came about as I was studying, fear without joy is torment, and joy without a holy fear is presumption. Verse 11 of Psalm 2 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. I didn't understand that, and I do so much better now because 
putting yourself out there, it's so uncomfortable and it's scary. And, and you, you come into the throne room of God and, and you're going to feel fear, whether you like it or not. But in that, he's given us the fullness of joy. In that vulnerability. Pray that we can come together this morning and meditate on that last verse of Psalm 2. It says, Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. I would encourage you to allow yourself to take refuge in Him this morning. Let's come together and sing. Can you stand with us? <clears throat> We're going to be um, singing Amazing Grace, which I, is a song I've known my entire life. My parents sang it to me when I was just a baby. Um, and I'd venture to say probably everybody here has heard it, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not. And um, something that I find is when I come across a super familiar song, my squirrel brain just starts to like imagine all sorts of other stuff while my mouth is going and I'm singing the words but I'm like oh it's for lunch and like you know I'm gonna go shopping next week and all that kind of stuff um and something that's helped me is to close my eyes when I know the words I can close my eyes and I can picture what I'm singing and it can become so powerful and so real when you put a picture to it um we're gonna sing most of the verses but one that we're we're gonna skip over but I wanted to read it is Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. Mm. And I can't really picture that <laughs> right now. Um, it's an amazing uh, thing that we even know that we'll be able to possess that. Um, and it's only possible because of his grace. My thought coming into this song is... Um after hearing that message that um, God is the king and um, grace means so much more when you realize how great God is, how big he is, and how much, how little I deserve uh, his goodness and his, his grace and kindness towards me. Um, I just think about the, that verse <clears throat> of talking about that the nations rage and plot against the Lord and that that was <clears throat> that was me you know and uh, that was each one of us before before Christ came and, and changed our hearts let's sing this very familiar song with that in mind
first verse. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go with God.